Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers, joined by Liam Flint and Tom Ellis. We're in Cairo in Egypt at the Africa Cup of Nations. And this week's show is all about the Nations Cup as the semi-finals are coming up on Sunday with Algeria playing Nigeria and Tunisia facing Senegal. We have lots on the quarterfinals. We give our predictions on who we think will make it all the way to the final. Plus, we have the amazing story of Zimbabwe fan Alvin Aluva Jakarta, who travelled all the way here by road, but arrived long after Zimbabwe had been knocked out. There are some of the things that I cannot say here, but I, I, I faced so many challenges, uh, life-threatening challenges, but uh, God was on my side. And also we have a story on Tom and Liam's trip to the historic Khan Al-Khalili market here in Cairo. And a reminder that Tom and Liam are producing daily podcasts throughout the tournament called The Egyptian Dream, available on Facebook and on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. Uh, So as well as the football, you get to discover the sights and sounds of Egypt with The Egyptian Dream podcast. So we're down to the last four now here at the Nations Cup. After the quarterfinals, it's Tunisia against Senegal and Algeria versus Nigeria. So both of those semi-finals see a North African against a West African team. Uh, we watched Tunisia beating Madagascar 3-0 as Madagascar's fairy tale run came to an end on Thursday night. And uh, Tunisia just way too good for them, Liam. Yes, I think Madagascar would like to have their time again, most probably. It might have been a, a case of the occasion getting the better of them. I definitely think they played the occasion more than the game because uh, the standard of football we'd seen from them up until this point was good. It was free-flowing, but they just had no ideas, looked bereft of creativity. And as you say, Tunisia were clinical when they needed to be. And it was a very professional performance. I'm sure they'll say it was a very easy quarterfinal for the Tunisians. So that's the end of the road for Madagascar, but a memorable run for them. Uh, Algeria beat Ivory Coast on penalties in the other game on Thursday night. On Wednesday, Senegal were too good for Benin in the first of the quarterfinals, winning 1-0. And Nigeria beat South Africa 2-1. We were at that game as William Troost Ekong bundled in from a corner in the 89th minute. And Nigeria had looked much better in their round of 16 win over Cameroon, but they remain on course for a fourth title. We spoke to Super Eagles fans afterwards. Wow, wow, wow. The performance was very nice. Was very nice. But we have some error. But I believe the technical crew, they are going to correct the mistake. Nigeria players, they try, they use their power, they use the energy, and we won. It's going to be fantastic because Nigeria is number one in Africa. Nigeria is going to win this AFCON. We are feeling happy, I'm feeling good. Because Nigeria is the best. Nigeria make it and they surprise us. Hope Nigeria for life. I'm happy to be a Nigerian. I'm so, so happy. I'm begging God to give us the rest of the match so we can have the cup, so we can have the victory. So confident fans, but uh, Tom, still a few question marks, uh, I'd say, over the Super Eagles. Yeah, definitely. They started that game against South Africa really strong, uh, showing signs of the promise that we know they're capable of. They've got quality across the pitch. They're strong, they're powerful, they're quick. But then the game went a bit flat and not much happened apart from the goal at the end, which they just managed to bundle in through uh, Troost Ikong. Uh, but we're going to need to see much more from them, I think. If they're going to really go far and win this tournament, we're going to see have to see another level um, 
I think they've got key players on the wings, Musa and Chukwueze. And down the middle, Alex Iwobi was causing problems. His distribution's brilliant um, and he can cut open a defence really easily. So it will need Odi Nogalo on fire and finishing from short blank range, I'm sure, for them to win this tournament. Yes, shortly we'll give our predictions on who we think will make it through to the final. As for South Africa, it was a good run getting to the quarterfinals, knocking out the host Egypt in the round of 16. Here's striker Percy Tao. I feel good. I feel extremely proud of the team. I think we, we didn't push in everything. Uh, after the match, I looked at everyone and then they did put in a, they put in, they did put in hard work and then I think everyone can look at each other and, and be proud of the work that we did. Yeah, and how proud should the nation be of how far you've gone? Gone above expectations? I think everyone is proud and then it was expected for us to try and push a little bit further. We wanted to go a bit further, but then I think it was just unfortunate this is, it comes to an end. Yeah. That's Percy Tao. I was really impressed with the crowd at Wednesday's match between Nigeria and South Africa. We were there. There was a crowd of 48,000. and That could have been because uh, as it was advanced tickets only, maybe fans bought tickets thinking that it was going to be Egypt playing there, uh, not South Africa. Uh, there were smaller attendances for the other quarterfinals. Uh, but Liam, there was drama really when you were at the round of 16 match where South Africa knocked out Egypt with that late winner at the Cairo International Stadium. Just describe the atmosphere for us. I can safely say, Steve, it was one of the most unreal, uh, gave you goosebumps feeling that I've ever had. Having a stadium full of 75,000 expectant and noisy Egypt fans to then be silenced when Lorch put that finish in. It justified belief. You could hear a pin drop. I've never been in such a, a deafening silence in my life. And the fans then started to turn. It was all a bit awkward. And you could even hear the South Africans celebrating on the pitch. It was The noise was travelling that far because there was nothing else on display in any of the stands. So it was very surreal. Great for the neutral. But the stadium felt a tad awkward after that, as you can imagine. A deafening silence. Yeah, I know what you mean there. Okay, then. uh, So the semi-finals, Tunisia against Senegal, Algeria versus Nigeria. So both of those is North Africa against West Africa. Okay, then. So which two teams? I must say, before we give our predictions, we've all been very bad at this Nations Cup with our predictions Mm -hmm. because there's been so many surprises here. Uh, You go first, Tom. Who's going through the final? I think it'd be an Algeria-Senegal final, and I'm going to back Algeria to win it. I'm... I'm wanting to back Nigeria, but my heart also says it's going to be a Senegal-Algeria. But the one I'd swap there, if possible, would be Algeria in for Nigeria. But that's optimistic. Right, ominously, I'm going the same way as you. I also think Algeria will be good enough to prevail. And uh, Senegal, I think they might actually go on to win it. So uh, we shall see. Uh, This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. I'm Steve Vickers in Cairo in Egypt at the Africa Cup of Nations with Tom Ellis and Liam Flint. Uh, Tom and Liam producing the daily Egyptian Dream podcast. So give us your views on the tournament at any time as uh, Tom and Liam go through messages every day on the show. And we'll be reflecting on the tournament on next week's Planet Sport Football Africa. So you can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two. 780. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Now here's something from the podcast earlier this week as Tom and Liam went shopping. It's part of the experience of being here in Cairo and they went to the narrow streets of the Khan al-Khalili market to going back in time to experience the old charm of this ancient city.
Established in the 14th century, Khan el Khalili is a major market in the historic centre of Islamic Cairo. The bazaar is one of Cairo's main attractions for tourists and Egyptians alike. A densely populated maze of streets and alleyways, it includes all sorts of gifts, Egyptian antiques, fine handmade crafts, art, shishas and spices. Today the market's been modernised significantly, but there's still portions of that history on display. We've just been walking around and had a little visit into a shop, which was pretty much like Aladdin's cave, wasn't it, Liam? It was. Millions of items in there, pretty rusty, uh, but some amazing relics almost, wasn't it? It was... It was great. I had a little look around there. So many different shops, so many different items that people are trying to sell you. Real experience, actually, just coming through. And uh, trying not to part with your cash. Just wandering through a passageway. There's some amazing lights all around us, some bags with different colours and textures. The smell of spices fills the air. It's hard to, hard to know which stall to choose. A whole mixture of colours, smells and sounds through this market space. We're going to go and try and haggle for a gift. What do you reckon you're going to get? Not sure yet. We've seen some lanterns, haven't we, that we like. So uh, we'll do well, I think, to come out of this with a good deal. But we'll do our best and we will uh, be firm negotiators. Let's see how we do. So we're just in Geordie's place in the market and what have we picked up, Liam? We've only gone and got the last two replica Egypt shirts in the shop. So we're delighted with that purchase. Yeah. Had to be, didn't it? We came in to get presents for our wives and we've come away we've with come away with our own presents. <laughs> with two we, did say, we did say if Egypt crash out before we leave, we'll both buy a shirt. So here we are fulfilling that promise i'm sure there'll be visual picture proof on social media shortly making the most of the good deals all right let's buy we just stepped into a restaurant off the khan el khalili market and it's just a bit of an oasis isn't it after stepping off the hustle and bustle of the busy market is it's very quaint lots of gold plated things around seems very seems like the kind of place you'd want to be a nice like you said a rest from the outside the busyness of the markets outside lovely atmosphere people often come here just to kick back have a drink do some networking and it has a, a deep and rich history so yeah you can definitely feel that as you walk in could i have a black tea okay chocolate uh, Nakib Mahfouz was one of the great novelists of Egypt. Winner of the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1988, Mahfouz was always inspired by old Cairo, turning real-life humans into fictional characters. We sat in the cafe named after one of Egypt's great novelists. This was one of his favourite places during his lifetime, and many chapters of his novels were scripted in this cafe. So Liam, you've gone for a chocolate milkshake with a little umbrella in the top. Looks amazing. He's going for the first sip. Tastes great as well. Probably uh, not the best order you could do in such a nice place. I feel like a child, but it tastes great. Does look very good. And I've got a black tea here, which I'm just going to pour myself some. And some mint leaf sprigs on the side. So I'm going to crush them up a bit. Pop them in my tea. I'm guessing that's what you do. 
poured into a little glass out of a metallic gold teapot. It's black tea. First sip. It's going to be hot, isn't it? Mmm. It's going to be good for settling the Egyptian tummy. Gorgeous with a little hint of mint. Lovely. How can you do us to deal for two? Okay, that's not in the <laughs> that's not in the middle though. <laughs> that's very high. That's very that is very high. So we're just leaving the market, having haggled down a couple of lanterns to take home. I think we did okay there with our haggling, didn't we? Yeah, we're just trying to evaluate our performance there. I think we may have got a fair price in the end. It was a lot of back and forth, trying to work out each other's poker faces. But I think that was probably an honest bargain. We did well. We wouldn't uh, let it drop. We didn't quite get half price, but we spent probably a good 10 to 15 minutes um, going to and throw, eventually settling on a price, which I think we're happy with. And our wives will be even happier with, so that's the important thing. We've got our lanterns and our Mo Salah Egypt shirts. Life is good. So going shopping, that's a Tom and Liam's trip to the historic Can Al-Khalili market. And uh, what I found interesting too is that at the other end of the scale, there are many shiny shopping malls along the lines of what you'll find in South Africa, in many of Africa's big cities and all across the Western world, the really huge shopping malls with multinational stores and fast food restaurants that you'll find in many countries. So there's the ancient culture and the globalised modern culture too here in Cairo. And just to illustrate, at the pyramids here in Cairo, by the exit gate, there's a Pizza Hut and a Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant. Uh, some contrast of culture with the pyramids there. So Liam and Tom are producing a daily podcast throughout the tournament. It's called The Egyptian Dream, available on Facebook and on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. And what's so special about The Egyptian Dream podcast is that as well as the football, you get to discover the sights and sounds of Egypt. And we'll have a quick word on our trip to the pyramids uh, before we end the show. So to listen to the podcast, go to our Facebook page. There's a link there. Or listen on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. Uh, to get the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. So a daily update on the Nations Cup on the Egyptian Dream podcast. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to our interview with Nigerian defender William Troost Ekong. His late goal against South Africa put the Super Eagles through to the semi-finals. Uh, Trus de Kong plays for Udinese in the Italian Serie A. He was born in the Netherlands to a Nigerian father and a Dutch mother. He played for the Netherlands at youth level and then committed to play for Nigeria, making his debut for the Super Eagles in 2015. From our archives, Oloashina Okaleji spoke to Trus de Kong about his journey that took him uh, from the Tottenham youth team to Belgium to Norway, where he was captain with Hagersund, to Turkey and now to the big time in the Syria air. Uh, yeah, I think there's been like a steady progression. I think uh, you said it right. So I've come a long way since the, when I started playing my first uh, first team football. Anyway, and uh, yeah, I'm really happy to be in Italy now. I think it's considered one of the best leagues now. I think you you have to mention it in the same breath as um, as Premier League and uh, Bundesliga now. And um, yeah. It's uh, still still part part of the journey, so hopefully this is not my final stop. But uh, yeah, I'm really happy where I am now, and I still think I have a lot of room to grow. So uh, 
yeah, we thank God. As a defender, I mean, pundits have actually said Italian football is good for you. I think it's probably uh, one of the best places to learn tactically. Um, you know, if the defending is maybe even more important than, than scoring goals in Italy. So, uh, you know, when you get a clean sheet or you defend well, they can really appreciate it. So it's something that they sp- uh, pay a lot of attention to. So um, you have extra scrutiny, but also you have um, maybe extra knowledge you can you can take on board and learn. And um, yeah, now I play against uh, some top defenders. Last week I spoke to Chiellini. And uh, yeah, he's been there for his whole career, and he's just said that uh, yeah, it's probably the best uh, tactical um, learning uh, space for any defender, really. So you know, if you hear it from someone like that, then you have to believe it. So it's uh, yeah, definitely a good place for me to be right now in my career. When you look at the way your career has gone, I mean, at the time you were training with Ari Kane, now Ari Kane, top player, gone to the World Cup. You've also played in the World Cup. Everything seems to be going right. Yeah, I don't think you can put me and Harry Kane in the same sentence or place yet. I think uh, he's obviously world class and a uh, different level. Um, however, uh, I run my own race, and um, yeah, I think that I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm getting where I want to want to be. Uh, I'm not where I want to be yet. Uh, I don't think I'll ever have that satisfaction, but I think maybe that's the same thing that drives me. Um, however, I think um, it's been uh, quite a long journey already from from leaving England through the back door and and uh, now arriving in Italy through the front door. So it's uh, yeah, it's nice and like I said, hopefully there'll be more to come. When you look at Italian football, what are the things that you say you know you find a bit different from everywhere else you've played? Uh, I think every game I play now, it's uh, for me it feels like a big game. Like I feel like I have to uh, be aware 90 minutes every week. Um, whereas maybe in Italy I felt that I mean sorry in Turkey before uh, the big games were special um, but you had other games which were less so whereas now I feel any game I play uh, whether you play against uh, Bologna Frosinone or Juventus or Milan um, yeah you have to concentrate 90 minutes you have to play your best game because you know in Italy they play a lot of counter football and they get one chance and they'll score a goal so um, yeah I think that's something that's driving me to uh, to try and search perfection in that, in that sense uh, uh, which is not possible but you try to get there and um, yeah, I think that's the real difference I think the tempo is higher and, uh, yeah, and, and the quality is a lot better The last time I spoke to you in Europe we were talking about the, the role of God in your career and how much you put emphasis on God helping you to live up to your dream What's your relationship you know, with the Bible and um, God itself? Yeah, no, I, like you said, I read the Bible, I pray, uh, I have a, a Bible study, I'm part of a group called Ballers in God, it's a group of players all over Europe, we come together once a week on Skype and uh, we pray and talk about uh, the scripture and different teachings and uh, yeah, I think for me the main thing where it helps me to stay calm and stay focused and uh, yeah, and stay humble, so that's, those are the things that you know, I live by, so it's, it's a very big impact in my life as well. It's strange for us to hear that professional footballers coming together to form a Christian group where they talk about. I mean, what 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 really do you do? What what do you guys do? Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, we we have a prayer every month. We have one session where we just it's just prayer. Uh, but then the rest of the time, you know, we uh, we, we read the Bible together. We talk about our experiences. We uh, try and sh- share in that sense, and uh, yeah, and, and trying to get some more disciples. So this the group is. Ex- ex- expanding and extending and hopefully you know as uh, footballers you have such a big audience and uh, such a big platform uh, yeah to inspire other people and uh, give the teaching spread the word uh, and that's that's really what the group is all about Nigerian international defending goals and winning souls 
<laughs> I like that. Huh? I might have to take that from you now. <laughs> so, when you look at the Bible, what um, what are the scriptures and verses that you really, really love reading, or that gives you the strongest motivation that each time you're there, you can remember these and then it motivates you? Yeah, it's, it's not just one, or there's not just one scripture. I say, oh, that's my my scripture. But it's you know, we try and keep it with theme. So we have you know, every week or every month, we have a different theme. You know, speak about the Holy Ghost, for example, the last one we had now, and how it is in your life, and uh, and the relationship you have with Him, and how it can help you during the day, and all that kind of stuff. So it's just little things. So when you are in a group of players, especially like me, when I'm a captain for my team, I'm a leader. I try to inspire other people around me as well, and uh, yeah, I, I feel, for it feels like now it's working, and people are listening, and they're willing to hear the, the word of God. So that's all. Uh, what's all about, really? So from our archive, that's Nigeria defender William Truste Kong on his football and his faith. Now, one amazing story here in Cairo was the arrival of Zimbabwe fan Alvin Aluva Jakarta, who completed his Cape to Cairo road trip for the Africa Cup of Nations this past Wednesday, having left on the 21st of May, so it took him an incredible 50 days to get here. He set out from Cape Town, Africa's southernmost tip, with his friend Botham Sila, who's a South Africa fan, aiming to make a historic trip together. Botham Sila turned back at the Kenya-Ethiopia border as there were massive problems getting visas there. Msila eventually flew here to Cairo with the help of well-wishers, but Aluva soldiered on solo. People were extremely worried about him as he dropped off the radar for days when he was going through Sudan. Well, by the time Aluva got here, the Warriors had been knocked out and had gone home long ago, but he was able to watch the South Africa-Nigeria game on Wednesday. I spoke to him there after the match and asked how dangerous his trip was. I'm feeling so proud. I'm so proud of myself. You know, I, I'm I'm tired, but just when I got here to to Cairo, I felt so invigorated, so energized. You know, so so proud. I'm on top of the world. It's it's terrible that Bafana Bafana went on to lose the game, but that would have been a chair on the top. They won, but such is life. Such is life. But people thought you were in real trouble. Actually, we were fearing for the worst for you, Aluva, because we didn't hear from you for days and days. Well, yeah, it, it is because uh, from Ethiopia, when I, when I left Ethiopia, internet, there was internet shutdown because there was some political instability in Ethiopia. Then I got to Sudan, internet was already, internet was shut down again in Sudan. So it, I really had problems to communicate, but... Uh, I'm sure on the 30th, 30th of, of June, I saw some guy there who had access to internet. So, but he was charging uh, 30 US dollars per hour. So I got on the net and I saw everyone. They were hashtag find Aluva. People were worried. So I tried to communicate with with, with some people, and I thought maybe the the, the concerns uh, or the fear or the alarm had quelled down. But only to find out when I arrived, when I when I got on net, I saw it, it was awash on social media. People were worried. Yeah, indeed, it was not safe in Sudan because there are soldiers everywhere. There are some of the things that I cannot say here. But I I, I faced so many challenges, life-threatening challenges. But God was on my side. I was protected, and I'm safe. And I managed to, to, to get my visa, my Egyptian visa, in, in Khartoum. And so I managed to travel, and I traveled safely. I thank God that I'm here. Uh, it is uh, by His grace that I'm here, not that I am, I'm clever or that I'm, I'm lucky.
no, it's 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 it's, it's out of of his of his love, out of the, of his favor, out of his grace that I'm here. Okay, it's so a long story. Just tell us about the one worst danger that you faced. Well, it it was on the June 30th, so I didn't know that the the people there they were. They, they had long planned a revolution on the 30th of June in Sudan. In Sudan, so I didn't know it was because of the language communication problems. So every word they were graffiti written, but I couldn't read because it was written in Arabic. So I couldn't read. Maybe the only thing that I could see is 30. So I just said, no, what is this 30? This blah 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 30. This blah 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 30. But it was actually June 30. So it was a Sunday, and they wake on a Sunday. So I was supposed to, to go to, to the Egyptian consulate in, in Khartoum. So I, I woke up very early, and then I, I got into the central uh, business district. I found the, the consulate was closed. You know, communication was really a problem. A lot of people were trying really to, to tell me that, no, it's not safe. But I couldn't understand. But I could tell from the gestures that they, they were saying, but I couldn't. The, the Egyptian consulate, it's, it is actually nearer to the, the Nile River and it is nearer to the palace, to the presidential palace, to the prime minister's palace. So I didn't know. Uh, and then I saw a crowd coming from, from one end. They were chanting, waving flags and stuff and stuff. So, ah. so that, that's the when I started wondering, ah, maybe things are not well. So I said, no, let me avoid going where the crowd is coming from. Let me go to the other direction. And when I was going to the other direction, there were now the police and soldiers, they were barricading. And uh, I only realized when I turned the corner, maybe they were about 15 meters. So they, they called me and uh, I was in some trouble. But I, I managed to come out uh, safely. But it was quite a, a shaking moment. So were you arrested? Maybe detained for uh, maybe for about 15 minutes. They were asking me in there in, in, in Arabic. So I couldn't get what they were asking. And uh, as I tried to, understand, to, to explain, I'm sure they wouldn't understand me as well. So you ran into an uprising in Sudan uh, accidentally. So much to say, but just give us a final word to people back home, Aluva. If you have a dream, if you have a passion for something, if you have a dream, go for it, pursue it until you get it. Uh, it may be delayed, but delay is not denial. So you have to, to persist, you have to be patient, you have to, to be strong. Because the, the harder the battle, the sweeter the victory. What a story. That is a Zimbabwe fan, Alvin Aluva Jakarta. He pursued his dream and he made history uh, with a Cape to Cairo trip, the first person ever to do it uh, to watch a sporting event. Okay, then, uh, before we go, um, we made a friend this week. Yeah, that, Steve, that would be our, our new best friend, Moses the Camel. So we were set up with three different camels by Kamal, would you believe, our camel, our camel keeper. A well-behaved camel. I became very connected to Moses. Better behaved than the other two I think we had. I think you'll agree. 
Yeah, it's an unforgettable experience. Uh, Liam, Tom and myself, we rode on camels through the desert to see the pyramids. Uh, not a long journey because the pyramids are on the edge of uh, the Cairo city, uh, but it took us back 4,000 years in history as we saw the massive pyramids and the Sphinx uh, with the body of a lion and the head of a pharaoh. Uh, not easy riding a camel. I had one or two problems, actually. Uh, Tom was great and, uh, yeah, something to tell the kids and the grandchildren about. Out. Oh, exactly. There's, there's definitely no better way to see something as amazing as the wonder of the pyramids than from Camelback. But yeah, we did have an interesting time. If only people could see the video footage of that, that would have been amazing. Not so easy to get on, but once you are, it's quite a comfortable journey. You've got to trust your camel. So Moses <laughs> treated me well. And uh, if I ever go back, I'll be seeking him out for round two of riding around the pyramids. Uh, mine was called Alexander. He was a bit of a tricky ride and quite difficult to get down and get off, uh, I must say. Uh, but that, I think, will be one of our greatest memories from our uh, time here at the Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, thanks, Liam. A reminder again of the daily Egyptian Dream podcast with Liam and Tom on the Planet Sport Football Africa app and on our Facebook page. Uh, from me, Steve Vickers, from Tom Ellis and Liam Flint in Cairo at the Africa Cup of Nations. And from Moses the Camel, that's it for Planet Sport Football Africa for this this week and the show is a passion for sport production